Well, Halloween is past. Christmas is just around the corner. And Thanksgiving is here. I enjoy Thanksgiving. I really did. It used to be my favorite holiday of the year until Black Friday became so popular and Starla almost bankrupts me on Black Friday. I think she enjoys that day better than she does Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Love Thanksgiving. And I have some interesting thoughts on Thanksgiving. Let me share a few of them with you. You know, it's interesting how we travel so many miles to be with people that we only see once a year, only to discover that once a year is too much. You have anyone like that in your family? My family has an interesting take on Thanksgiving in that we consider gravy a beverage. Many, many refills. But now seriously, you know, Thanksgiving is a time for turkey and of course vegetables. They're a necessity. Carrot cake, zucchini bread, pumpkin pie, all those necessary vegetables, right? You know, I'm not much of a hunter, but last year, I don't know if you know that or not, I, uh, I shot the turkey that we had. Yeah, yeah. I went out and, you know, it really kind of, a, like I said, I'm not much of a hunter, and I pulled the shotgun up, and I pulled the trigger, and I mean, that thing was so loud, bam! And, you know, the really sad thing about it, it absolutely scared everyone in the grocery store to death. <laughs> I, I mean, really... Why track them when you know where they're at? <laughs> uh, but Thanksgiving is certainly a time to be thankful, isn't it? And probably like you, I'm thankful for life, my health, my family, my friends. And, and despite all of its flaws, I'm thankful for the nation that we live in. But I want you to know, most of all, I am thankful for my salvation I'm thankful for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for the mercy that God showers upon me. And I'm thankful that God is stable in this world that can be so unstable at times. James chapter 1, verse 17 says this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow, variation or shadow of turning. And so what that means, friend, is even though when the winds of life toss us back and forth, shake us like we're in a clothes dryer, I am thankful that my God does not change. And not only does my God not change, my God cannot lie. Now, in theology, we use the word immutable to describe God's character. And the definition of immutable means not capable or not even susceptible to change. And therefore, our God is an immutable, unchanging God. And what that means is he cannot lie and he cannot change his mind. And so that's why I'm thankful because that makes him an amazing God of faithfulness and consistency. Now, the opposite of immutable is mutation. And we realize there's a lot of things in this world that mutate, or in other words, change. In fact, if you think about it, there's really, really very few things in this world that don't change. Very few things that remain the same. Financial markets, financial institutions, the economy, I mean, they're like roller coasters. They're up and down. They're all around. 
Society and culture all around this world are in a constant flux of change and crisis. And then, of course, you have the Dallas Cowboys who always keep us guessing. They're as dependable as Jell-O. But in a world where there's constant crisis and constant change, and a world that's infested with immorality, we need to be reminded that beyond what the government can do, beyond what the economy can do, beyond what even the institution of the church can do, when all of those things begin to fail, there is the reality that there is an immutable God in heaven who is not capable or even susceptible to change. My God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so in this world that is constantly spinning, I am thankful that as a reminder of consistency and faithfulness that we need to remember that God is the only solid rock to which we can build our life and plant our future in. But aside from God, let's face it, change is a fact of life. The older you get, the more change you've seen. I've seen a lot of change. Population. In 1850, the population was one billion people on planet Earth. Today, it's over seven and a half billion people. Speed has certainly increased. In the year 1800, a horse would get you around at about 20 miles an hour. You fast forward to 1979 and the, the introduction of the SST, the Concorde jet, and it flew at over 1,300 miles an hour. And then that's completely overshadowed by astronauts, how they orbit the Earth now at almost 18,000 miles an hour. Many years ago, I heard it put this way. My great-grandfather rode a horse, but he was afraid of a train. My grandfather rode in a train, but he was afraid of a car. My father rode in a car, but he was afraid of an airplane. Now, I ride in airplanes, but I'm afraid of a horse. But you know, technology, especially in the area of computers, takes the cake. Christopher Evans said that if the automobile had increased in productivity and technology as rapidly as a computer industry, he says that a Rolls-Royce would cost $3, get 3 million miles to the gallon, and would deliver enough power to drive the ocean liner Queen Elizabeth II. We live in an ever-changing world. But what's interesting about that, though, friends, is that even though we live in an ever-changing world, that really we are creatures that want stability. We want situations, we want foundations in our life that we can count on. And the reason is that we need consistency just to make sense out of an out-of-control world. And so we want that part of life that's going to remain when everything else is falling apart. And so on this Sunday before Thanksgiving, I want you to know that I am thankful when all else fails, God will remain. If the economy fails, my God will remain. If the government goes squirrely, my God will remain, which it has gone squirrely, but anyway. If your family fails you, God will remain. And friend, you can take it to the bank, and even if the bank fails, you can still hold on to the immutable truth that when your life splinters before your eyes, there is one solid rock in this crazy world that you can anchor your life to, and you won't be tossed on the rocks by the winds and the waves. There is a God that stands upon a sure foundation, and today you need to let that speak hope into your life. God is our foundation.
And so as we begin Thanksgiving week, let me share a few things that are certainly on my Thanksgiving list, the list of things that I'm thankful for and should be on your Thanksgiving list also. And the first thing I'm thankful for is that God's promises remain true. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, For all the promises of God in Christ are yes, and in Him amen to the glory of God through us. Now, friend, if the promise that you hold in your heart is based out of God's Word, or if it's been something that's been whispered to you by the Holy Spirit, you can be thankful that all of the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. The promises of God remain true no matter what your circumstance, no matter what culture you find yourself in, or no matter what you've been through. King David isn't remembered for his failure, but yet he's remembered as a man after God's own heart. We don't remember blind Bartimaeus as being a beggar. We remember him for holding on to the promise of his healing. Moses isn't remembered for being a man with a stammering tongue, but as the deliverer of Israel. And we remember Paul as a mighty apostle who wrote most of the New Testament and not as a hunchback tent maker with a thorn in the flesh. And friend, that is because God is a covenant-keeping God and God is a promise-keeping God. So friend, you can be thankful as you remember the fact that his promises remain true. Now I understand and I am sorry, but there may be people that lie to you. There may even be people that betray you, but if God has spoken a promise down in your heart, you can hang on to it because his promises in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. If God said it, you can believe it. The next thing I'm thankful for is that his love remains unceasing. His love will never end for you. Romans chapter 5, 8 says, But God demonstrated His own love towards us, that while we were still sinners, depraved, not interested in the things of God at all, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The only reason you and I had enough sense in the first place to call on Jesus is because His grace was working in our behalf through relationships, through divine circumstances, through sermons, even through songs. God brought about a point of crisis so that we could see our need for God in our life. It's because he never stopped loving you, even when you didn't love him. You know, I don't think we as mortal men can grasp the depth of love that God has for his creation. Way back in the 17th century, Oliver Cromwell who was an English political leader, but back then, at, during the time of this story, he was an English military leader. And he had sentenced one of his soldiers to be shot for crimes this soldier had committed. And the execution was going to take place at the ringing of the evening curfew bell. But for some reason, the curfew bell didn't sound that night. Well, what had happened was the soldier's fiance had climbed into the belfry and clung to the great clapper of the bell to prevent it from striking. Well, of course, she was arrested. She was taken to Cromwell, weeping. You could see her bruised and bleeding hands as she had clung on to that large clapper. And it so touched Cromwell's heart that he said, your lover shall live because of your sacrifice. Curfew shall not ring tonight. 
And you know, friends, we hear stories like that, and we marvel about acts of love and devotion that are demonstrated by people towards other people. But can you even, even begin to grasp the hint of the love that God has for you? I mean, our Lord had his feet blistered by Golgotha's path. His back was lacerated. His hands and feet were ripped open by rusty spikes. Our unselfish Lord had all the agonies of hell thrust upon him, and he sacrificed his life. Now, now we might understand this if it was for someone important or for someone holy, but we have a difficult time believing that God loved us that much. But friend, you need to understand his love for Billy Graham or Mother Teresa is no different than the love that he has for you. And he died for you even while you were still a sinner. And it's because God loved you so much that he gave his only son so that you could be saved. And his love for you is unceasing. It never ends. I'm also thankful that his provision remains abundant. Psalms 37 verse 25 says, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his kids begging bread. Folks, you need to understand that even though the stability of the world's economy is shaky at best, there is a God in heaven whose provision is not contingent upon the world's economic markets. God says there is not any recession up in heaven. God says, if you think I'm depending on a bull or a bear market, if you think I'm depending on real estate values or the price of oil, you have underestimated my power, you have underestimated my ability, and you don't know what resources I have. Because, friend, God's provision remains abundant. But you see, here's something that a lot of times people tend to forget. We are not in the business of building our personal kingdom. We should be in the business of building God's kingdom. And God is going to put resources in the hands of people who have proven that they know what to do with the blessings of God so that the kingdom of God can be expanded. So even though pundits may say the sky is falling, God wants you to know today that his resources are overflowing. Even though newspapers may say a recession could be here, God says his abundance is here. And God has always been faithful to his people, to those people that honor and obey him. And I believe just as Christ, just as the children of Israel wandered through the wilderness towards the promised land and had every need met, I believe God is going to demonstrate his glory to us in our lives. Now listen, I am not preaching this and promise you a bigger house or a better car, but I am saying that God will use his people as a conduit in order to establish his kingdom on this earth. And when we are faithful to him, his provision will remain abundant to us. When we do our part, God is faithful to do his part. Another thing that I'm really thankful for is that God's protection remains constant. Now, there may be some of you, and you're here today, and you live in fear. Maybe you're fearful about the economy going south. Maybe it's crime is rampant in the area in which you live. Maybe just the overall threat of terrorism holds you in fear. Or maybe it's something as... as the fact that you're fearful because you live alone. But friend, you need to understand 
you are never out of God's sight. And He is holding you in the palm of His hand. 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Psalms 125, verse 2 says, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth and forevermore. Friend, in a world that has been paralyzed by fear, you need to be reminded this morning of our faithful God who is standing ready to protect you. He is ready to guide you. He is ready to guard you just like a mother hen guards her chicks. Hebrews 13, 16 says, So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. Because the Lord is my helper, what can man do To me, his protection is constant. The fifth thing I'm thankful for this morning is that his timing remains perfect. His timing remains perfect. Now, we need to understand something that is kind of difficult for a lot of us in this modern day of microwave Christianity. We need to understand that a a delay is not a denial. Did you hear me? A delay is not a denial. Someone put it this way when they said that the Lord answers every prayer. He answers it with a yes, no, or wait. Now, we do really well with the yeses, don't we? But, you know, we have a little little bit of problem. We don't do very well with the no's and the waits. But see, you need to understand this morning, friend, that God's timing is perfect. I mean, God's not worried about time. God's not intimidated by time at all, and that's because God created time. And while He is not intimidated by time, He is not worried about time, He is very interested in timing. You see, if you read through the Bible, God chooses specific seasons and moments to do amazing things. There are seasons of revival. There are seasons of refreshing. God provides windows of opportunity. And so God can transcend all parts of time, but he is very interested in the timing of his interaction with man. How many times does the Bible say in the fullness of time or when the timing was right, God moved in this way or that way? And a perfect example of this is when the sisters of Lazarus said to Jesus in John chapter 11, verse 21, Jesus, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. In other words, they were saying, Jesus, you're late. How many times have we felt that way? We may have not said it, but we believed it. They said, Jesus, you're late. If you would have gotten here earlier, we wouldn't have to go through this trouble. See, that's why we want our answers instantly. So we don't have to go through the trouble. We don't want to go through the fire. We want to be delivered from the fire. You see? And the sister said to Jesus, Lord, your timing is off. Well, I believe I'm speaking to someone here today, and you're in the middle of a delay. And you feel like that God hasn't answered your prayer. You may even think he hadn't even heard your prayer. And you think he's not working on your behalf. And the devil is trying to scream in your ear that his promises are not really true. 
And so because there's a delay in the process of your miracle, you're wondering why God's timing is messed up. Friend, you need, you need to understand the timing of God is perfect. It's perfect. And had God done what Lazarus' sisters wanted him to do, the miracle would not have been as profound. God would have not received the glory that it was intended for him to receive. And I want you to know God knew exactly what he was doing, and so he waited for, waited for the right moment. He loved those sisters enough to delay until the time was right. And friend, God knows exactly what he's doing in your life. He knows exactly what he's doing in your situation. If your miracle hasn't become a reality, if your prayer hasn't been answered, you need to understand that a delay is not a no, and the timing of God remains perfect. You simply trust him. That's what faith is all about, trusting him. And know that God is working on your behalf. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And the plans I have is to prosper you. The plans I have for you is to give you hope. The plans I have is going to give you a bright future. Friend, when I can't track God, I have to learn to trust God because there's a lot of times in my life when I can't figure him out. And like my dad used to say, God doesn't always pay on Friday, but God always pays on time. Another thing I'm so thankful for is that God's word remains forever. God's word remains forever. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, God said, It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. Not sometimes, always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to. And it will prosper everywhere I send it. Now, friend, you can read Keats, you can read Shelley, you can read Wadsworth, you can read Shakespeare, you can attend every class there is on literature, and you might become cultured in the process, but your heart will never be changed. But I want you to know I have read one verse in the middle of the night when my kid's fever was raging and I was able to get a hold of the word of God that promised his healing and I watched that fever break when we couldn't get in touch with the doctor and I want you to know the great physician walked in that room when I needed the promise of God's touch. Friend, when people let you down, you need to understand that the word of God is going to remain forever. Churches may fail you. Politicians may fail you. Your friends may even fail you. Your dog may be up and run off. But this book is going to mean as much in 2,000 years as it did 2,000 years ago. And that's because it was not crafted by the ingenuity of a man. It has been breathed and inspired by the living God who created this whole world. The king of all kings. The Lord of all lords is the source of the Word of God. The Alpha and the Omega is its author, and His Word will never change, and it will stand forever. I don't know if you remember that old saying, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand up on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. His Word remains forever. 
Now, in this modern day and time, we don't like some of the words that are in his Bible. But folks, I want you to know that thou shalt not are there for your protection. The thou shalt nots are there for your benefit. And the thou shalt are there for you to have a life and life more abundantly. Don't go try and changing what God penned in his holy word. For this is the source of living an overcoming life. Your English teacher may not like what I'm getting ready to say, but I want you to know no one's life has ever been changed in a hotel room at midnight reading Shakespeare. But I want you to know there are stories after stories of drunk men and women who pulled out a Gideon's Bible out of the nightstand on the verge of suicide, and they begin to read that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have an everlasting, but have everlasting life. And because the announcement of God's word drips from his word like honey drips from a honeycomb, a degenerate life was sobered up and changed by the grace of God, all because the power of God's word. These pages will come alive in your life. I want you to know it was an amazing, amazing time during a crusade in Malawi in the, in the 1980s. There was a thief who was waiting in the bushes. There was a large crowd there, and so he was waiting, and he was going to rob people as they left that meeting going back home. But as the life-giving Word of God rolled across the hills from those loudspeakers, the thief couldn't help but hear that there was a heavenly Father who loved him just as he was. And he heard that this man, Jesus, left the splendors of heaven and came to die so that this criminal could live with him forever. And when the altar call was given, this criminal, this thief waiting to carry out his crime, came to the altar, dropped his knife, surrendered his life to Christ, and walked away that night, a new creation in Christ. And today, he is pastoring one of our churches in Malawi, Africa. And it's all because God's Word is true, and it will always produce fruit. It will always accomplish what God wants it to, and it will prosper everywhere it is sent. There is power, power in the Word of God. Generation after generation has tried to attack this Word as irrelevant. But friend, there is not a more relevant book in this world than the living, breathing, inspired Word of God. And lastly, I want you to know that On the list of things I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for you. Because God's church remains a remnant in this evil world. So many people have tried to stop the church. But I want you to know God says in his word that when the enemy comes in, like a flood, the Lord will lift up a standard against him. And the gates of hell cannot stand. The gates of hell will not be able to prevail. Friend, there's a great comfort in knowing that the battles are all his. There's a great comfort in knowing that we don't have to fight our battles and that God doesn't need our help. All he wants is our obedience. That means I don't have to raise the funds. They're his funds. 
That means I don't have to mend broken lives. There are his broken lives to restore. And so there's comfort in knowing that we have already read the end of the book and we win. The success of church is not dependent upon what the Gallup poll says. The president or the Congress or even the Supreme Court isn't going to affect the ultimate future of the church of Jesus Christ. I am thankful that there is always going to be a remnant called his church. And I am thankful that you and I are a part of it. And we get to travel this journey to heaven together. So, friend, during this Thanksgiving season, I am thankful that his promises remain true. His love remains unceasing. His provisions remain abundant. His protection remains constant. His word remains forever. His church is going to remain a remnant. But most of all, most of all, I am thankful that his grace, his grace remains sufficient. For everything we face, every trial we go through, every trouble we encounter. Several years ago, there was a gentleman named Lloyd Douglas. He was a minister and he was an author, and he wrote the book The Robe, which was later made into a movie. And, and the robe is the story of the Roman soldier who won the robe of Jesus in a dice game after Jesus was crucified. Well, when Mr. Douglas was a university student, he lived in a boarding house, and, and in the same boarding house lived an old music professor who was ill, didn't do very well. And so as a young man, Mr. Douglas felt responsible for, for checking on the old professor. And so every day he would, he would leave his room and run down the stairs, stick his head into the professor's room just to make sure that everything was all right. And he would open up the door and say, Professor, what's the good news? The professor would reach over and grab his tuning fork. And he would slap the side of his wheelchair and he would say, That's middle C. The good news, Mr. Douglas, is that yesterday that was middle C, tomorrow that will be middle C, and a thousand years from now that will be middle C. The old man continued, the tenor upstairs sings flat, the piano across the hall is out of tune, and he would tap the tuning fork again on the wheelchair and say, but friend, that is middle C. Well, Lloyd Douglas goes on to say that the old man, in a life that was full of chaos, sickness, Loneliness had found one thing in his life that he could trust that was going to be the same day in and day out. He found that one constant reality in an out-of-tune world. Middle C. And that, my friend, is what our Heavenly Father can be for us. He can be our middle C. You see, because the reality is for every person in this room, there is going to come a point in our life, if you haven't already faced this, where, where we're worried about, about our family, we're concerned about our marriage, we're concerned about a child, or perhaps our finances, our health, or even, even our church. And somehow we need something outside of us, something that's bigger than us, something more powerful than us, something more sure than us, to whisper the reality that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
We need that cornerstone of reality where there is no variableness or shadow of turning. We need that one still point in an ever-turning world that there's nowhere else you can find it and no other person that can give it outside of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is our chief cornerstone. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Jesus, he is our strong tower. And if you don't remember anything else I've said today, remember this, that he is God. His word is true, and if you let him, God will be your stability in this unstable world. Would you stand with me all over this room? Elders, altar workers, would you come? Take your place around the front. And then if the rest of us, if we would bow our heads just for a moment. Perhaps you're here today, and even though it is Thanksgiving time, you're finding it hard to be thankful for very much at all. And it's because things, things are just not going well. Perhaps your world is, is careening out of, out of control. And you see there's no stability in it, and like the old clothes dryer, it's turning you every way but loose. Hallelujah. As the Lord has ministered today and as, as the Holy Spirit has touched your heart, you realize that there's some things in your life that need to change. You realize that you need to find that one certain anchor that you can hold on to. My friend, I want you to know that that anchor is Jesus. Hallelujah. And he will never leave you and he will never Hallelujah. forsake you. Now again, with our, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, you may, be, you may be here today, and you're a Christian. You love the Lord. You're serving Him. But yet life has kind of uh, tried to throw you against a rock. You may be here today, and you may be lost because you have sin in your life. And you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. Oh, you may know who Jesus is, but, but you don't follow the precepts in His Word. And you do things that you know are not pleasing to Him. And friend, if that's you, there is certainly instability in your life. Because this world and Satan, it's a tough taskmaster. And so if you're here today and you know that you need stability in your life, you know that you need to hold on to that solid rock, that firm foundation, would you lift your hand and say, Lord, I need the calming touch of your tender hand? 